Well, C3 people, what a day we live in. So much opportunity, so much pressure, so much all kinds of things. It's a whole new world. I'm telling you, as we move into the future, we are going to see a million worshipers in all of our congregations all around the world, worshiping, seeking God together and sharing the gospel, making disciples, building the kingdom and the mighty church of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you're part of what we're doing. I'm so glad about your future. I'm so glad about you. I thank God for you all the time. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. You have faith on the inside of you. You are going to do amazing things. You're going to maximize your potential in the kingdom of God right here in the house of God. My belief is that people who are planted flourish in the house of God. They become fruitful and flourishing. And the Bible says they'll end their days praising God, not in cynicism or bitterness, but they'll be healthy and worshiping the Most High God. So good to be with you. I'm, I know you're going to love this message. I preached this recently and uh, I got such a powerful response from people saying, man, that helped. So I'm believing that this is going to help every one of us as we come into this message today on pressure points. We're talking about the points of pressure in our lives and how to navigate through them and actually find ourselves on the other side of it so that we overcome, but also so that we find ourselves changed on the inside. We become different, better, greater people in life because of what we go through. So we're going to start right here in... uh, James 1 and verse 2, where he says, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. (laughs) This is amazing. You think he'd say, count it all joy when you win something or when you get your first house or when you get married or when you you have a baby. I mean, obviously they're joyful times, but he's saying when when you get into a trial, be happy about the fact He says, because you are going to get changed, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Okay, so what's so good about patience? I mean, for me, hell would be one long line, one long queue. You know, when you're you're at the immigration entry point to any, any country, and you're looking around, you're looking for the shortest line, you, you switch lines. Fatal mistake, because there's always a, a, a family you didn't see with 23 passports, or, or else you're at the post office and, and you, you're in the line and you're just waiting and waiting. And you can't somebody, I mean, the whole issue of waiting with a good attitude, I don't know, it's, it's just doesn't seem to be very human to me. I think you'd have to become supernatural to actually have patience under pressure and to keep your act together. And so he says, yeah, okay, patience is pretty good to get, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect. What? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Three things. Perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's, that's got to be one of the greatest promises you could ever have. That you mean if I get patience, I'm going to be perfect, complete and lacking nothing. My Lord, I, I thought it would have come through having a 
big bank account or going through a, a self-improvement program or uh, I'd be perfect, complete, lacking nothing if, if, you know, I was royalty or something. But he is saying, no, if patience becomes who you are, you're going to actually be composed in life and manage your way through everything. Now, here's the deal. That word patience actually, for me, means capacity. It means I can cope. If I cope with things, that means my capacity has increased. There's little point in having an 18-wheeler truck destiny with a Volkswagen motor under the bonnet. It can't pull it. It hasn't got the capacity to actually pull that that sort of thing. Now, we, we explode or implode because of pressure coming against us. And, you know, it's not a light issue. Honestly, people... Uh, in, in Australia, during the lockdowns, domestic violence rose 80%. And I would imagine that's pretty common around the world. Things going on behind closed doors where people are suffering, struggling. You might be in a condition like that. You might be in a situation like that. Please talk with your pastor. Reach out for some prayer. Reach out for wisdom. But Other people have picked up old addictions. Again, I'm believing with you with God for you, that the power of the Holy Spirit will set you free here today. Teachers, one in four teachers, once the lockdowns began, they found themselves reaching out for medical help, counseling, because the pressure of trying to educate kids online became, became more than many could bear. But, but James is telling us the way to improve the patience, our capacity, our ability to cope, so our marriages don't fall apart when we're in a pressured situation of being locked up together or when we're in a, a teaching situation or all these other. Our frontline workers are so amazing. The, the, the people responding to the COVID lockdowns, to COVID testings, to vaccinations, all of this going on around the world. And then the runoffs, the restaurants, the waiters, the hotel industry, the hospitality industry, the, the the travel industry, all of these have suffered so badly. And then that has a knock-on effect. This dominoes are affecting all kinds of situations throughout our world. And you and I are here in the middle of it to be part of the answer, not part of the problem. And so we travel through pressure points in our lives to increase our capacity to cope with pressure. So, so we, and, and, the thing is, I wish I could give you a pill and suddenly you're patient. You know, I've got my patient pill today, bang. Or I, I come down on the altar call, we're going to lay hands on you and boom, you're going to be patient. It, it just doesn't happen like that. We grow patience through traveling through the difficult times. Now, here's the deal. We can get a touch from God and we are transformed for a moment. But He doesn't want to just have those those kind of momentary transformations. God wants us to be permanently changed so that we are equipped to cope with life no matter how it comes at us. And as we travel through difficult moments, we are going to find ourselves being literally changed. God is at work in you and I to form in us Jesus Christ, to conform us to the to the image of Jesus, to the character of Christ. And that is His work inside you and me. And it isn't always achieved just through bright, happy, sunny days. 
In fact, I've found that, that laughter and good times and that doesn't teach me a lot. I can walk 100 miles with laughter, not learn a thing and with success and victories. But I can work, walk just 100 yards with pain and I learn way more. We learn through failure way more, learn how to get back up again, learn what not to do. And so even though they're distasteful, we, we should learn to actually embrace these things like James is saying. And his word is, count it all joy. <laughs> count it all joy when you fall into this variety of trials. Let me uh, just stay with this for a second longer before we get into and get ready for this, nine kinds of trials. And I know we're only going to take 15 minutes here, so it's going to be uh, short and sweet. We're going to get to the end of it pretty quickly. But this, this can help you and me to understand what is actually going on in our lives. Understand this. Psalm 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. And I believe that this is not going to decrease. Once upon a time, Christianity was well accepted in society. We knew we were based on that. We were founded on these principles. But these days it's like, oh, we'll take it from here, thanks. Uh, we're going to develop a whole new value system, a whole new way of approaching life. We're going to chuck out all these old values. And we're going to find that we need to be bringing an authentic encounter meeting with Jesus Christ because that is what transforms people's lives. And for us to be the light in the world, to be the salt of the earth. It means we're going to have such a vital and dynamic relationship with Jesus himself. And that happens, you know, emotional bonding happens when you are there with somebody in their trial. If we're there when that's struggling, that's when we bond the deepest. And David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And I've got to say, people, that the times I've felt God being closest to me is in those trials, in those really tough times when, when I got vo public voices coming against me and, and I feel the love of God. I feel the pity of God. I feel Him drawing near to me in those troubled times. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You will not find an affliction that comes against you that God is not bigger than. He is bigger than any of the problems we face. You tell your problems how big your God is. You, you come against your Goliaths with, with the God of the heaven and earth. Jesus warned us, He said, in the world you will have tribulation. Paul said, we must go through much tribulation into the kingdom of God. Peter said, beloved, don't think it's strange. It's not a strange thing that things don't go right for us, that you feel pain, that you travel through struggling times. Don't think it's strange about the fiery trial that is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's not strange. 2 Timothy 2 verse 12, if we endure hardship, we will reign with Him. I know we love to say you're seated with Jesus and ruling and reigning with Christ. But there's also the other side. If we suffer with Him, we'll reign with Him. No cross, no crown. No death, no resurrection. It's, it's, it's that simple. That's the equation. And I know we'd be tempted to preach a more fluffy gospel, something that's a little more Disneyland, a little more lollipop. 
but it's not true. The reality is there are going to be some tough days for you and I. That is not a reason to discard our Christianity, to, to walk away from Jesus and to say, oh, you know, this is just all too hard. Accept, count it joy, you're being transformed. God is at work in you bringing forth something beautiful. On the other side of the trial are riches that we will never discover unless we travel through the trial. Don't get off the train in the middle of the tunnel. There's an end to it. And to every dark night, there's a dawn without any shadow of a doubt. Okay, here, I promise you, nine kinds of trials, just to show you the variety, the smorgasbord, the buffet of, uh, of the trials that God has, has described in Scripture. One, the storms of life. I mean, sometimes things just happen. It's not like they came from heaven or hell or people are just life has storms in it. And if you've built your house on the rock, Jesus said, you'll stand. But storms will come. We can't avoid them. Second one is chastening. What's that? That's God chastening His children. I know it's sort of out of fashion these days. It's it's not very popular at all. The idea of, you know, like when I was a kid, I used to get the cane, six of the best. Pringle, down here, (laughs) whack, whack. And they used to devise the most ingenious ways to make it hurt the most. So we devised the most ingenious ways to try and avoid it. We'd slide books or magazines down our pants or we'd try and make the pants loose as whatever we could. You know, they were the days that people would be horrified now thinking that this is what happened. Our parents as well, they were encouraged, yeah, spoil the rod, spoil the child. Spare the rod, spoil the child. So it was like, but God hasn't changed. If we are in need of chastening, He will. He's a Father who loves us. He's not going to let us carry on with behavior that's going to destroy us and our people around us. He says, hey, and He knows that a painful moment in life actually prevents us from doing it again. Put our hand on something hot, burnt. I mean, that we're fixed. We're not, we're not going to be doing that too many times. Again, and so as we travel through the consequences of wrongdoing, that chastening, and and he says, my son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. Don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. If you endure chastening, God is dealing with you like a son or a daughter. You're a child of his. And uh, understand, no trial lasts forever. Neither does chastening. There comes a, a morning when you're hugging God and he's hugging you because you've come through that period of time. Number three, the dealings of God. God is at work in you to form you into your, the kind of purpose person who's going to fulfill your purpose. All right, so, so here's, here's, here's in the Old Testament, you've got Joseph, who's going to be the king. He had to go through rejection by his brother's family, thrown into prison, falsely accused, went through terrible things, but then eventually came to his destiny. And so there is formative years when God is shaping us like a vessel. He told Jeremiah, check out the way the potter creates a vessel. That's what I'm doing. I'm squeezing you and bringing you up. And then into the furnace. (laughs) What? Yeah, into the furnace. In the furnace of affliction, I have chosen you, Isaiah says. So under pressure, the pressure of fire. We feel it like, oh, Lord, I don't want to be in here. But your unique you, all those beautiful things that make up your story, 
And you, yours, nobody's lived your life. Nobody's lived your story. Nobody's traveled through your pain. What you are is your, you are spe- a special message, a unique story that God wants to bring to the world. And so He's shaping you and fashioning you. It's called the dealings of God. Number four, temptation. Temptation. All of us are going to get tempted in a world that is as promiscuous as it is today, dealing with sexual temptation, dealing with the temptation to get money by the wrong means, dealing with the temptation just to to get involved in partnerships and relationships that aren't going to be good for us, healthy for us. There's, There's any kind of temptations. Jesus was tempted. And that doesn't mean it was out there. It was in here. He was thinking, I could do that. All of us struggle with this and we think it's us feeling it, but it's the devil makes it feel like that. Like so that you think you are that person. But And we can have some of the strangest thoughts, especially when you're worshiping or seeking God and praying. The warfare in those times can be so intense. And, and so don't be surprised when you're involved in warfare, spiritual temptation coming at you. And that is number five, warfare. When there is all kinds of uh, attacks coming at you uh, and and you you can't understand why the landlord suddenly wants to kick you out. You can't understand why suddenly these people are coming against you, criticizing you, persecuting you. You can't understand why your family is doing what they're doing to you. But hey, this says out. Our warfare is not against the people. It's against spiritual powers that are motivating them, moving them to behave in ways that are antagonistic to you. So fight the devil, find the strong man, go to prayer with the blood of Jesus and the word of God and speak it and praise God. That's a weapon. And you'll find that you neutralize the work of the enemy. You negate his impact, his effect on your world. Number six, we're nearly there, people. Six, wrestling with self. Oh, man, the times when I've wanted to do something good and you don't do it. And then you don't want to do the bad thing and you do it. Paul had this problem. In in Romans 7, he says, the good that I would do, I don't. Then the bad that I don't want to do, I do. When you read through it, you notice one word that appears a lot of times in there, I. We live in the I world. We're in the iPhone, the I this, I that generation. So he had an I problem. <laughs> Not this one. I was at the center of his life. And happily, we can go to God and say, no longer do I live my life in the flesh, but I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified. That I in there that causes the biggest problem. I mean, honestly, if you were to, if you were to nail that person who gives you the most problems in this life, kick them in the, in, in the pants, you won't be able to sit down for a week because we are at the root of so many of our own difficulties. We may not like to admit that, but if we could just go, oh, why is it after these, you know, four jobs I've had, these, these employers just don't get it, how good I am. Maybe, maybe if we switch that around, I thought, maybe I'm the common denominator in all those situations maybe I need to actually have a look at what I'm doing and, and make some corrections, make some adjustments. 
Always a good idea to do a little self-audit and, uh, and invite others as well. As long as we are teachable, we're going to learn. And as we learn, we become the kind of people that God is calling us to be. Number seven, wrestling with God. We've talked about wrestling with the devil, wrestling with ourselves. Now wrestling with God. Jacob wrestled all night long, but at the end of it, he came out on top. Jesus even wrestled with God. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, God, I don't want to do this. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but you. He did that three times, trying to not go through. He was wrestling with the purpose of God. Now had come the, the, such a painful moment for him. And he could feel the weight of it. He thought, oh, if only I could get out of doing this. But then there wouldn't have been a price if he hadn't felt it at that level. If he said, yeah, no problem, I'll do this. There's no price of all. And some of the trials we go through, they don't seem to alleviate because we're feeling the, the full weight of the difficulty. And that's part of paying the price of following Jesus. Okay, number eight, persecution. <laughs> oh. Yeah, the times when we are attacked and criticized and people come against us just because you go to follow Jesus. It's, it's not the most popular thing you can do in some circles today. And so we get a little nervous about announcing, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus, but we should never, <clears throat> never denounce him or deny him. I've always found that when you present Jesus, you put a door in the wall. And if a person is a wall and you just bring something about Jesus that opens up the heavens and opens up people's hearts and lives. So let's not be fearful of talking about Jesus, not as some fanatical way, not as some like reactionary way, bullhorning our way down the pavement, but as pleasantly, beautifully bringing Jesus into people's worlds, mostly through prayer, through sharing Christ in a moment of need that they have can be one of the most wonderful things we do. However, we are going to find ourselves under some persecution, some criticism. And disciples of Jesus have made that radical choice. We're going to be following Christ no matter what. Number nine, the last one, trial of faith. All of us will have our faith tried. We believed for something and it didn't happen. We have a faith crash. We go, oh, is God there? Did he hear me? Does he love me? I don't know if I, am I believing this anymore? And we go through that moment of where we're shaken and you go to the Word of God and you strengthen your faith, you study the matter and you come out and you say, I'm going to decide, yes, I am, to believe in God. Now, I have found that just as I close here, one of the most interesting things in my house is how easy it is for the power to go out and all I got to do is go back to the, to the fuse box and switch it on and we've got power again. Our faith can get blown out by a lightning strike of doubt and fear or of bad circumstances and it blows the fuse. The fuse of our faith disappears and we, we're in the dark. But you know what? You can switch it on like you switch that fuse box back on and you say, I'm going to get myself back in action. I, when I studied this, <clears throat> I saw that f fuses get blown when the wiring is old. 
and the appliances are new. There's about six different reasons, but that was one of them. And I thought today is a new day. Today is a whole new opportunity. And maybe the wiring that we had in the past isn't going to make it. So God is strengthening you and me. And we might blow a fuse every now and then. But today, switch your faith back on. Say, God is good. He's with me. He's for me. We will make it to the other side in Jesus' name. God bless you, saints. I love you. And I'm praying for God to strengthen your faith. And when you've gone through what you're going through, you will strengthen others. Lord, bless each one of our people all around the world with great faith, move on their lives with the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.